0: Welcome back to the program. Good to have you along. I don't know if you did this over the long weekend, but the Tragically Hip released um, a new record. It's six old new songs, never heard before songs, from uh, Road Apple's uh, recording sessions. And it was in a a new offering called Saskadelphia. Still tough to wrap your name around the uh, title of that album. We're going to talk with Alan Cross about the -the behind-the-scenes stories on on this music that's in the new album. But I was just curious, Chris, as you know – I would. I'm a tragically hip fan, uh, but I would say you are the big tragically hip fan on the show because I liked older hip better than newer hip, and then I kind of, you know, somewhere along lines I, I lost interest, and then I gained interest again. You've always been a diehard fan. Did you download the album? Yeah, I, I streamed it on Spotify a couple of times. It's only six What'd songs, you think? so it was easy to go through there's some songs on it that are absolutely great other ones that you like think well i kind of get why that's not on there montreal is a tune that's on there which i've heard before because they've played it live they play it live a, a bunch of times they've, they've never been released uh and as part of a record before and uh it's a cool song it's a really mm-hmm. it's a really good one and i'm i'm glad to see that they have put it as part of this record because it's a it's a good tune and so, that uh, the tune ouch which is the one that uh, a lot of people probably heard is yeah very good too. i heard it was between "Ouch" or twist my arm on what should uh, go on Road Apples. And I have to say, listening to Ouch a couple of times, it's an okay song. It's kind of funky. But Twist My Arm was the better choice. Yeah. Well, these are the songs that they decided not to put on. Yeah. Yeah. So anyhow, we're going to talk with Alan Cross about that in a matter of minutes. But here's what is concerning parents today. Dr. David Williams has said that in-class learning might happen as early as May the 31st. So your kids might actually be going back for about a month or so back to school again. And I know a lot of people are getting frustrated with online learning, um, but it's not just online learning. It's the back and forth, online, in-school, online, in-school, and obviously, there are kids falling behind. Our next guest joins the show to talk about an idea that she's pushing right now. Maybe we should go back to the old way of thinking. Your kids just aren't at the level they should be especially during this COVID pandemic. What about repeating a year? Monica forensi joins the show and Ottawa-based education consultants with Horizon Educational Consulting. Welcome to the show, Monica. Good to have you on. Good morning. Thank you for inviting me. This used to happen a lot um, when I was younger. I mean, I'm a Gen Xer. So I recall people being held back a year. Uh, and I also recall people skipping ahead years. So it seems to have fallen out of trend. No kids fail anymore, but we're not talking about failure of, uh, kids to perform. We're talking about the failure of the system, um, in a, in a time that is unprecedented. So your idea is maybe having kids repeat a grade. Um, maybe you want to expand on that a little bit?
1: Yeah, so the terminology that we're using now is within the framework of the Ontario Human Rights Code. It came about first with students with disabilities who have accommodations of additional time, generally, whether it's time on an assignment, time more time during examinations or testing, or just more time to learn, um, which the Ontario Education Act allows for students in high school, for example, who need to obtain a credit but can't do it in 20 weeks or one semester, they can earn it over two semesters or a year. So the idea is that if if this is applicable to students with special needs, why not students who are, for example, born late in the year? And that's many of the clients whom I've been helping this year across the province, different school boards, where we've put forward the rationale that they have not had a full two years in kindergarten. For example, it's a two year program to prepare for grade one. They are not yet ready to go into French immersion, uh, which starts at grade one or grade four or they are not ready to go into the next division, which is between grade three and four, grade six and seven, or between grade eight and nine. And particularly hard hit are their grade eight students who are going into grade nine uh, with what we talk about quad and shrinking time. So time is an important factor in learning. It's time on task, but also task over time. You can't condense learning so much that you're not giving time for it to, to stick. And so we've heard from students, there are petitions online that they don't like it at the high school level, but at the, at the young ages, from junior kindergarten to grade three or even up to grade six, we still need to give time for kids to learn. And so it's not a question of holding kids back. It's actually giving them what they need, which is additional time for learning. And we can't rush learning because that's not quality It's not pedagogical, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't follow the child's developmental trajectory. So this question has come up, particularly for parents of students who are born in September or later in the year, where they are finding that not only are there education gaps, but also social emotional readiness, that they are not ready to be in a cohort of students where there could be up to a year in chronological age difference. So really, we need to reframe it, not as holding students back, because it's not a punitive measure. It's actually accommodating their needs Mm -hmm. and and looking at the best interest of the child.
0: Do you think we have to get over the stigma of repeating a grade? Well, the stigma has been created by school boards, and so... Yeah, but it needs a, a, I feel a like retreat. you're tippy toeing around around like you know that there is some sort of shame that we should be reading into this, you know, and we're tippy toeing around it like, okay, it's only for the kids that would have been, you know, that are born late in the year. But you know, this has been a really unusual past two years for pe for students and people. I think it's fair to yes. say that if your kids don't get it, there's no shame in saying, you know, what they it. It didn't compute. That's okay. We're gonna stay and we're gonna do another year of grade one.
1: Yes, absolutely. And and a lot of it has to do with parents having had the opportunity to learn with their children at home and seeing actually what they can and cannot do. So that whole experience has also um, given impetus to this initiative to say, you know what, I'm seeing what my child is able to do and not able to do, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter on the level of education of the parent who's sitting there beside them all parents are realizing what their children can and cannot do and what they're being asked to do and what they're expected to do. And it's, it's just not adding up and it's putting stress on the children and the parents as well.
0: I don't see this as a sign of failure for the kids. I mean, I think that's where we have to adjust our thinking here. This is um the school system. Surely they could acknowledge that they're not fully in control of, of things when it came to this, you know, back and forth way of learning during a pandemic. You know, I don't think we have to assign blame. But what I think we do is we have to really look at these kids and say, if you didn't get it all the first time around, let's try it again. And if you move them to grade two, say they're at grade one and you move them to grade two and just give them extra learning. the do Don't you think that's going to be cramming too much in?
1: Yes, again, it's, it's the expectation that's put on the student and even though the school boards and school officials will say well we'll, we'll give them additional support. Many parents have experienced a lot of empty promises, and so there's no credibility behind that statement. If childrens have individual education plans, for example, lots of frustration that they're not being followed, they're not being accommodated. So I think there's a whole credibility issue with with the lack of uh, trust that parents have that this is going to work, and so parents are not uh, putting their trust in what school boards are saying, but rather what they've experienced over the last year and a half with COVID and and the purview that parents should have decision-making ability for their child's future. The school boards are education service providers. So if you're asking for services in education to continue at the grade one, you're asking for grade one educational services and not grade two educational services. And so we know that support services have been difficult to give students online as well. So it's not a matter anymore of, uh, well, we think it's it's the best thing and the research says this. The research is very old. The research that was done in the 70s and 80s is no longer relevant. It doesn't Mm -hmm. apply to COVID. It doesn't apply to what we know of the mental health that pediatricians are telling us has been happening with young students and older students and all students and parents and the breakdown of the family. The family and the parent-child relationship because of the stress of learning at home. So all of these factors have to be taken into consideration and it has to be put back on the table as an option.
0: So right now, uh, what you're hearing from some parents is they have gone to school boards and school boards have said, well, that's not how we do it.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what they say. We don't do this at the school board anymore. The research says. And then when we ask to produce the research or any policy that allows them to make this decision, there is none. So that's the problem that parents are having Mm -hmm. with the credibility issue, is that you can't just put forward a practice without backing it up with evidence. Because the parents come forward and say, my child was born late in the year. I am noticing that they're having struggles with this and that Um, they need more support. They have special needs. So the parents' credibility is being dismissed. And really, they know their child best.
0: Right. And school boards, they're saying that what they'll do is a targeted approach with regard to kids. I think when people look at uh, the numbers of kids in their classroom, uh, they realize that teachers are only human and it's going to be very hard to target each student with an intervention.
1: Yeah, again, empty promises. There's no way that they're going to be able to do that. And we've heard from teachers, too, that this is actually a very good and viable pedagogical approach. If students are not ready, they should be following where they are at. And even though that is the premise of good education and solid pedagogy, it's not what school boards present. And so they should have the children's best interest at heart as well.
0: So what has to happen to change school boards' minds on the ability to to make the decision on if you want your kids to repeat a year? Public pressure. Parents need to demand that
1: from their education service providers because that's what their role is. Their mandate is to educate a child to support their learning, and to to put their needs first. And if parents are putting this need first and have backed it up with their reasons and they are solidly grounded, um, and and there's plenty of evidence for that given with COVID, I mean, we do have research coming out, it is emerging. And so there will be research there to show that there are learning gaps. So it's a hard walk around for school boards to ignore it.
0: Is it most important to have the kids at the younger age repeat the year? Uh, because they're learning the basics and they're also learning how to form a relationship with positive learning? Absolutely.
1: The early years is critical and the Ontario Ministry of Education um, presumes that early intervention is critical to long term school success. And so this option of allowing students to continue in the same grade or repeating the same grade uh, is definitely part of an early intervention strategy. And particularly for junior kindergarten, senior kindergarten, grade one students, I mean, students know who the strong kids are in the class, even at kindergarten, so there's no fooling kids, they know who the strong kids are. And if it takes them more time to learn something, in the end, they won't be stressed and they won't have all this anxiety uh, in grade four when they know they can't keep up with their peers anymore. We don't tend to do it with older students, but given COVID, I would say even up to grade six, seven, and eight, it would be a very proactive strategy in terms of the child's self-confidence and learning and preparing them for a high school, which we still don't know what's going to look like because they're planning to de-stream that. And so that's where the credibility of the issue comes in, is that no one knows what the future landscape of education is like. So parents having these requests are very reasonable and should be listened to.
0: Well, Monica, I love that you brought this uh, to our attention, because I think the idea of repeating a year will be a welcome uh, piece of advice or a welcome option for parents. Hopefully they will talk to the the school boards that uh, their kids are in and, uh, and, and maybe cause some sort of change or at least some conversations to go on because I could not think of anything more comforting as a parent um, rather than making sure my kid has all of the information, they it's sunk in and then, then they move on in the next grade. I, I don't want them floundering.
1: No, no one wants to see their child struggle. That's very painful and very frustrating for parents when they feel powerless in, in, in being able to change that. And so that decision-making really should rest in the parent's purview.
0: All right. Well, Monica, thanks so much. You have yourself a fantastic afternoon. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine Podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the great white north and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective.